Welcome to the Triage Method podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Before we do get stuck in, today we're going to be talking a lot about cardio protocols. So if you do need help you know, with your one-to-one setting up your training, whether that's conditioning, resistance training, whatever it happens to be, we do have online coaching spaces available. So if you are, as I'll be discussing the various ways that you could apply cardio within your program and what different sort of training methodologies there are, because obviously cardio is just a very broad term describing any form of exercise really that could be classified as, you know, improving your cardiovascular fitness or intended to do so. So in this podcast, we're going to and try and break down the different methods that are available. And then in Thursday's podcast, which will be coming out in three days' time, we're going to discuss you know, whether or not cardio is actually compulsory and what increases its importance. Um, because obviously, if you're an athlete or something like that, you know that cardio is important for you. Um, but in, in some other cases, the lines can be a bit blurred. So we'll, fo- so we'll focus on that on Thursday. But for today, we're going to focus on the cardio protocols themselves. So Patrick... Do you do cardio? Yes, I do. Um, I actually quite enjoy cardio. But anyway, right. So to put this all into perspective, we've talked about resistance training. We've talked about setting up your program, etc., all that kind of stuff. Um, and effectively, you're like, all right, a lot of people ask us questions about cardio, you know, um, because we obviously have, I'm going to say, a bias or a perspective that we recommend cardio for quite a lot of people you know and again as gary said we'll probably touch more on that on the thursday episode and um, whether you as an individual needs to do cardio and um, but we do recommend it for quite a lot of our one-to-one clients our group coaching clients individuals who just ask us questions people who consult with us all of them we generally recommend cardio right and obviously that is specific to the situation but a question that then naturally comes up is how do I actually go about implementing cardio? Like, do I have to periodize this? Are there certain protocols? You know, is it, do I do interval training? Do I do continuous training? You know, all that stuff. You know, there's loads of questions that naturally pop up because quite a lot of people, they, well, they come to a, come to training from obviously a multitude of realms, you know, um, but effectively you have, we'll call it two peoples to populations you have people who are athletes or were athletes you know and perhaps their perspective of cardio is we'll say uh, unscientific and what i mean by that is you know like you might come from this come to training or whatever from like a football background a gab background or even rugby to an extent although they generally have a little bit better practices and um, but you might come to it from one of those field sports or one of many field sports or other field <laughs> sports uh, and you're effectively your perspective on cardio is ah oh, here run laps of that field there you know maybe you do occasionally some sprinting or the sprinting that is done is in the perspective of we'll call it uh, longer sprinting like you might do that kind of sprinting where you know you sprint the the short side of a pitch and then kind of jog the the long side of the pitch sprint the short side of the pitch and jog the long side of the pitch so it's somewhat interval training but it's also somewhat continuous training because you're effectively just continuously going running but either way your perspective on cardiovascular work is pretty much 
confined to uh, the field setting for a lot of people, again, depending on the sport, you know? So understanding how to bring cardio in to your program from that perspective can be quite hard, you know, especially because a lot of athletes end up like giving up their sport or whatever, because it's, they don't have the time to go to it, you know, whatever, two, three nights per week and then compete on the weekend or whatever their schedule demands their, their new schedule with work or college or whatever makes it impossible for them to consistently keep that up or makes it so hard that they don't want to do it or which is quite often the case. They just don't enjoy that sport anymore. Like they did when they were younger you know um and they kind of want to go they start going to the gym even because you can go to the gym whenever the fuck you have availability go to the gym and they get into resistance training they enjoy that they push themselves with that etc and then they kind of go okay so maybe i should be doing cardio but they just don't know how to implement it what protocols to bring in right and so we'll, we'll discuss that person as well but you also have the population that comes to resistance training and They've never done sports before in their life. They're just looking for, you know, I want to build a little bit of muscle and I want to lose some fat or whatever their approach is. You know, they're like, that's, I just want to, I'm a general trainee. I just want to go to the gym because I I know humans should be moving, should be exercising, should be doing something. Right. And if all you've ever been exposed to is now resistance training stuff, again, even if you've been exposed to like, we'll call it fitness stuff, quite often it can be quite poor information so you can be left unsure of how to bring in a cardio component to your overall training right so they're generally the the two types of people that you see coming to ask this question of what cardio protocol should i do or how should i integrate cardio into my my program right however we do also have a final population which is athletes themselves who are using the gym as a an accessory to their actual sport in terms of they're using the gym for you know maybe to gain strength maybe to gain some muscle maybe to get fitter or prevent injury or whatever effectively they're using as a gym using the gym to complement their sporting work and for that population you know there probably needs to be a lot more specificity in the way they go about their cardiovascular training because both like again you have to think that adaptations are specific so potentially there are better uh, equipment choices there are better protocol choices and there are better overall setup choices because again you have to take into account that fatigue is likely to be higher in those populations because not only are they going to the gym they are also doing their sport as well you know so Again, they're, they're effectively the three populations. Probably not going to touch too much on the athlete population today because that's, that's a very specific conversation and we'd effectively need to break it down sport by sport or like sport category by sport category, uh, you know? Um, obviously, we'll touch on it a little bit, but I think that today's conversation is mainly going to apply to people coming from one of the first two backgrounds, you know? Either you've come from a sporting background and you kind of just do the gym now or you are just, we'll say, gen pop, and you just go to the gym now. And both of those are looking to integrate cardio into their program, and quite often there's, there's no guidance on that, and you can be left either doing protocols that, you know, that they might work for a little while, or they might just 
I don't know, be there to burn calories, which is fair enough. That's fine if that's the approach that you want. Um, but they're, no, they're not actually improving any fitness characteristics that, or, or in any measurable way anyway. You know? So Gary, I'm a general trainee. I've been going to the gym. I train three to five times per week. You know? But I went to run for the bus the other day and I realized that I was out of breath for the next five minutes. Um, I want to start working on my, my cardiovascular fitness. You know? Where do I even start with this? Did you hear that? Not really. I can't hear you. The thing is just staying on red, the internet. Well, it's good on my side anyway. But anyway, I said, where does someone start with looking to train cardiovascular fitness? They train three to five days per week. They ran for the bus the other day. We're out out of breath, huffing and puffing for the next five, ten minutes. They're like, all right, I want to bring cardio in. They've been training three to five times per week in the gym. What do they do? Still in here. I just heard three to five times per week. Well, it's your side that is shit here. So I don't know. I'll fix anything on my side. It was perfect like five minutes ago. As I said, again, they train three to five times per week. Yes? Okay. They ran for the bus the other day. They were out of breath. They want to bring in cardio. Yeah. How do they do it? Yeah. So just like when you started resistance training, because I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast probably have come from a general like resistance training background and they've, you know, they've been lifting for some period of time or they came across triage because they were interested in, I don't know, lifting or getting stronger or building muscle or whatever. Um, so a lot of, a lot of people in our listenership do tend to come thinking back to the time when you first started resistance training in order to start this conversation. Because one of the things we've talked about a good few times in the podcast is that when you're in the beginner stage of training, you're very, very sensitive to any sort of adaptations. So even the smallest of stimuli can trigger, you know, pretty potent um, adaptations. And it's very easy to continue progressing um, when you are actually in that beginner stage as a resistance trainee. And this is no different to the way you can start to conceptualize cardiovascular training, because if you've never really deliberately included any sort of cardio in your program um, over the long term or for any great period of time, then you could expect to have, you know, pretty robust responses early on. Um, and that's especially the case if you're, you know, if you're, if you're someone that's never trained it and you're just currently at a very low level, we would expect that there would be, you know, a pretty robust response to you actually engaging in a proper training program. And much like resistance training, the responses that people do have to specific training protocols do vary. So you might have people that, you know, to take a hundred people and, uh, and put them on a specific training program intended to improve their cardiovascular fitness. You might find that, you know, some of them have massive increases. Some of them kind of increase. Some of them get very poor 
results like they get just get slight increases in aerobic fitness but then other people just don't really make any progress you know you might so you might have that there's always that training spectrum but what i would always encourage people to do when they're first kind of starting out with any sort of cardiovascular training is that you start conservative just like you would if you were to start a resistance training program so the mistake i see most people make is that they don't think about that and what they do is they start by just going out for a run one day and running as fast as they can. Or they go and they do an interval session and they just go as hard as they can for max intervals, repeated, repeated, repeated for like 30 minutes. And they're totally fatigued. It's not an enjoyable experience. And they just kind of, their only way of repeating that is just, okay, go harder next time. And there's no real progression there. There's no real means of assessing whether or not the individual is getting better. So that they're the types of considerations I would start um, start with when introducing this to someone. So if you were to start with something quite simple, you know, you might start with, you know, trying to aim for 30 minutes a week. If you're going from zero to 30 minutes a week of cardio respiratory exercise or whatever you want to call it, like, that's a pretty, pretty big increase from zero okay so you add in that little bit of, of cardio you try to get it done consistently see if you can fit it into your routine and then you kind of progress it on from there like the sweet spot that i try and get people to is where they're doing you know at least 90 um and at least 90 and sometimes up to 180 minutes um or more of kind of moderate intensity cardio per week now the general guidelines for for kind of health if you were to think of it from that perspective are 150 minutes to 300 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic exercise per week. Moderate intensity being defined as basically a conversational pace. Um, you could you could kind of just about hold a conversational way of thinking about things, um, but that's that's basically the entry point of this discussion. But I suppose like what we have to keep in mind is that uh, we're also engaging in some degree of cardiovascular exercise when we do resistance training so if someone's training for four hours a week um, and in terms of the overall training time um, i'm not going to be thinking all right we need to get this first into 300 minutes asap um, especially if it's not a big goal for that moderate intensity uh, continuous training per week like that's fantastic the thing with that is that if you're doing more vigorous intense intensity work so you're doing much higher effort um shorter periods of time are then generally required um that obviously depends on four minutes um then you may need to still you know match the time or increase the time to match the amount of work that was done my point being there that you also have to see you know like what are you trying to get from this because if you find that you introduced 10 to 15 minutes after each of your resistance training sessions and you seem to be getting over you're not as out of breath you notice that your resting heart rate has been decreasing that you're not as fatigued during your resistance training sessions because you have a higher level of fitness then i would be kind of confident that you're doing enough to at least get you to the point that that you're trying to get to and any additional benefits beyond that like they're probably good it's generally a good idea for health to try and have a, a higher level of cardiorespiratory fitness but if someone's like their only goal is to just get rid of that bit of shortness of breath that they have during everyday tasks, then that might be enough for them. Um, 
And just like resistance training, you begin to progress it on again um, thereafter. So point being, start small, progress as needed, assess your outcomes, and don't just jump to working as hard as you possibly can. Because if you, if you, if you do that, it's probably going to be an unpleasant experience. Like you can't work at a max effort for 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes. You have to pace yourself. And that's why using things like rate of perceived exertion or RPE can be helpful in these cases. So, you know, that, that way that the, the guidelines are set up is to basically gauge that based on your ability to speak. Um, if you're able to, you know, just about hold a conversation, but you couldn't sing a song, you are short of breath. If you were to rate it out of 10, you'd be saying, oh yeah, probably like a six or a seven out of 10 in terms of the amount of effort I'm putting in. If you were to check your heart rate, like that's where you want to be. And that doesn't feel that challenging all the time for people. But as you accumulate volume, it does become a bit more challenging and it is sufficient to start to give you Yeah, 100%. And again, like this, it comes down to, first of all, being clear in your goals. Like uh, we've talked about it so many times, we've discussed it, said, you know, like stated it so many times, you effectively just need to know what you're actually doing, because that allows you to make the protocol effective, you know, or at least allows you to tweak the protocol so that it is effective for your goals, right? So I think, First of all, people, if they really want to learn more about this or understand this conversation a little bit better, then going back and listening to the podcasts we did about energy systems and cardio, I don't know what number they are, but we've done a few podcasts on like energy systems and stuff beforehand, right? You can start there if you want to have a deeper understanding of this stuff. However, I don't actually want to make this a conversation uh, you know, kind of just going, Oh, uh, should we do this because it tackles this energy system or this component of the energy systems? Like I, I don't, I don't think that's as helpful as it could be. Right. So like you were saying, Gary, having a, a number in your head in terms of the number of minutes per week that you do train this kind of stuff is a good starting place. However, I also want to get it into people's heads that a lot of stuff contributes to your cardiovascular fitness, which you might not actually realize contributes to your cardiovascular fitness. You know, like you stated there as well earlier with the, the resistance training stuff, like that does actually come in and play a part in this, this whole conversation, you know? So like how big of a component it's debatable because it's not exactly like that continuous uh, exercise that you would get with like just doing say straight up aerobic work you know it's not the same stressor on your heart and your vascular system but it obviously does play a role in this overall conversation you know and that is why you will find quite a lot of individuals who effectively say oh you don't need to do cardio just do resistance training you know because that will get you fitter to an extent that will improve your cardiovascular cardio respiratory whatever you want to call it fitness to an extent you know and also it will help it to a greater extent in terms of it'll also build strength in the muscles that you're using so that the exercises that you're doing for cardio are effectively at a lower level of your 1rm you know like if your legs if you're squatting for, i don't know 300 kilos and you go to do something like a uh, an exercise bike you know you're on the bike um it's going to be easier if you are stronger, you know, whereas if that pedal stroke is effectively 90% of your one RM strength in that leg, it's obviously naturally going to be harder, 
right? So if you are stronger, cardio becomes easier, you know, and this is why strength training can be so beneficial for individuals engaged in sport and engaged in, you know, say running or something, you know, obviously that is a sport as well, but you, you know what I mean? Um, so that's, that's something that we have to take into account. Getting stronger, doing resistance training does play into this conversation. However, what you also need to realize that other things that you might not actually consider uh, do actually play into this. And the one that I'm thinking of is essentially your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, right? So your steps. Like this can be something that uh, effectively gets two birds with one stone where say you need to get 10,000 steps per day. We're just putting it as an arbitrary number. That's what we want you to hit, right? That effectively, to, to get that, you can effectively bring in some protocols like, I don't know, 10-minute walks, 30-minute walks, and you can effectively accumulate a lot of time under an aerobic stressor. You know, if you go for a 10 minute walk at a relatively brisk pace, again, not something where you're basically going for a jog, but you know, you're, you're kind of just pushing the pace a little bit. You're getting around the block or whatever, and your heart rate is getting up to that kind of, we'll say 120 beats per minute. You're, you're kind of pushing yourself, you know, like that contributes to your aerobic fitness. You know, even if it's down at like the, the 90 to hundred beats per minute, you know, it's still, it's still contributing to your overall fitness. So that's something that I want to get people to realize that even this low level activity, it does really benefit you overall because effectively it is a stressor on your cardiovascular system and you're going to adapt to that stressor. Now, is it as effective or are those adaptations as quick if you were to do or versus if you were to do something like actual like 90 minutes of continuous exercise and getting your heart rate in that 130 to 140 beats per minute or whatever, you know, maybe not, but it still does contribute to your overall fitness. And this is something that you need to keep in mind, especially as you age, like the, the things that you need to do to keep these adaptations aren't actually uh, a lot, you know? And what I mean by that is like, you can still keep these aerobic adaptations you've built in your younger years, maybe not to a hundred percent of what you built, but maybe 90% of what you built by just doing some simple, simple practices, such as going for walks a couple of times per day, you know, like that is actually surprisingly beneficial in actually maintaining our aerobic fitness. Because what you often see is people, they effectively look at cardiovascular training and go, oh, no, man, I don't have another 90 minutes or 180 minutes to add to my week and try to get this, this cardio done. They're just like, I can't get to a gym. I don't have an exercise bike or, you know, rower or whatever in my house. So it's, it's not, it's not easy to do, but they're like, oh yeah, I could actually go for a walk, you know? So that, that can definitely be something that you bring in a protocol that you bring in that can maintain or improve your cardiovascular fitness. Cause again, as you will quite often see is people get into a job and they go from being a teenager where their steps are up at like, 10 to 20k per day because they don't have a car or whatever and they walk everywhere and then they get into a job they get a car and all of a sudden their steps are down at a thousand to four thousand steps per day and they wonder where all their fitness went why they're gaining body fat even though they eat the same amount of calories and it's effectively just a, a neat argument they're not expending enough energy but also it's something that is detrimental to their aerobic fitness their, their overall fitness overall and then they go for that run to get the bus or something and they're like oh jesus i'm actually so unfit even though i've been going to the gym you know 
and it's very easy to accumulate uh, aerobic fitness the or the attribute of aerobic fitness by doing something very low level such as walking and it also contributes to your overall calorie burn anyway what's next gary yes i agree and i think i think that's something that's important to kind of tick off before you think about adding in cardio that like if you're just more active throughout your day Absolutely, super. I think a lot of people, especially kind of in, I'm sorry, in Gary, our part of the Gary. fitness sphere, Gary. they do think of cardio purely in terms Gary. of body composition outcomes. So, if your sole goal Gary. is increase your ability to maintain a calorie, Gary. you know, getting your steps in is a really good way of going about things. I didn't hear, didn't hear a single word you said, Gary. Before you can just start again because I didn't hear a single word you said. You gonna start talking? Because I didn't hear a single word you said. I didn't hear you there either. Basically, finished up on the meat stuff, and I said it contributes, like doing low level stuff. And then I was like, "What are your thoughts, Gary?" And then I didn't hear a single thing that you said. Fantastic. Okay, if this fails again we're just gonna have to cut it off there's no point posting i think that's us just beeping basically okay so so yeah neat is something that you do need to to take care of when you are thinking about your cardio especially because a lot of the a lot of the people that i guess are probably listening to this podcast do have some sort of body composition goal and a lot of people do like because of like the way we talk about cardio in the fitness industry, a lot of people just associate cardio with the outcome of body composition. And they think of it in terms of increasing the ener- their energy expenditure and increasing the likelihood that they'll be able to maintain a calorie deficit and hence lose body weight or, and or body fat. So the, the key thing there is that your ability to increase your energy expenditure, maintain a high energy expenditure, increase the probability that you'll be in a deficit is your overall daily activity. So it's not your resistance training. It's not necessarily the cardio that you do. It's how active you are on average. And someone who is on average sedentary but does an hour of resistance training is unlikely to burn more calories than someone who's just generally active throughout their day. As in, it's far easier for for me to just get my energy expenditure up through walking more throughout the day than it is through lifting to to, to go to the gym lifting weights because lifting weights, sorry, it just doesn't burn that many calories. It's not very intensive. You know, the rest periods are long, the work periods are brief, um, and the overall energy expenditure just isn't really that high. Um, so you do have to keep that in mind. So if you are coming at this thinking about cardio purely from the perspective of body composition, 
I would encourage you to worry about your daily activity as a big priority because like Patty said, a lot of the time what people will say is that, oh, I started gaining weight out of nowhere. However, if you dig deeper, you'll find that they're very inactive throughout the day. They may be a student who's now studying, whereas previously um, during the summer, let's say, they were way more active. They were working at a summer camp. They were traveling. Even on nights out, they were dancing loads. Whereas now they're a student and they're just kind of sitting down all day studying. Or they started a new job. They work in an office. And it is hard for people who are in sort of office jobs or sedentary jobs because obviously a very large chunk of your day is set up so that you are actually sedentary. And it's also set up in such a way that you still have breaks to eat. You still have food very often accessible in the the coffee station or on your desk potentially um, around the office if someone brings in bones or chocolates or whatever. So it can be conducive of positive energy balance of you being in a surplus. So I always encourage people to do their best to try and build in strategies to become more active throughout the day. And like that is a discussion for another time, but it is something that's worth keeping in mind before you get onto specific cardio protocols to take care of being generally active in your day-to-day life. Um, so yeah, and then as you begin to think about that, the things on that spectrum, like as Paddy said, like that is low level physical activity, but it does all contribute to some degree to the amount of, of cardiorespiratory fitness that you have, how much energy you burn, et cetera. Because you know, if you're going to the gym and you're lifting at, let's say, 50% of your one rep max for sets of 10, like, yeah, like that's not it's not that stimulatory of strength gain and muscle gain. It's not great, but it's definitely better than nothing. It's definitely still so much challenging and so much contributing to positive adaptations and definitely going to help you to maintain muscle. Um, and that's very simple when you think of your just kind of walking, your daily activity, taking the stairs, etc. Like, yeah, it's not you going running a marathon, but it is continuous activity. And it is constantly stimulating the maintenance and the development of cardiovascular adaptations. And I think that's, that's something that is important to understand too, is it's not like cardiovascular fitness or cardiorespiratory fitness. It's not just, it's not just one kind of homogenous thing, you know, like what you're looking at there is adaptations at the, the level of the heart, both in terms of like chamber size and the thickness of the wall. You're looking at changes in the nervous system. Like, for example, the parasympathetic versus sympathetic input to the heart. These are all adaptations that take place. Adaptations within the vasculature, so within the smooth muscle of your, of your artery and your veins. Like, all these different adaptations come together. And you even have things at the level of the muscle in terms of the number of mitochondria that you have. Um, the way that the blood flow actually stimulates the heart um, to work, to fill all of these different things across the cardiovascular system and in the other systems that are related to the cardiovascular system, they're all contributing to these adaptations. So at the very least, you should be looking to, to constantly stimulate them to some degree and to maintain them to some degree through your daily activity. And then, then that's when you start to think about, okay, now we need to step it up and include um, some more challenging activity. Because if you're genuinely going to, to stimulate, let's say, an increase in like left ventricular hypertrophy and you're going to get an increase in the ventricle, uh, the, the chamber size. If you're trying to really get maximize those adaptations like an endurance athlete, you're going to need to, to present it with a bit more of a challenge because the, the blood flow that's coming into your heart day when you're just kind of walking around, like 
it's not really necessitating those adaptations. So that is why we need to start to ramp things up and why we need to do things for a protracted period of time, because that's what's stimulating those adaptations. So as I said, you know, starting small, um, that's a good idea. Progressing over time, that's a good idea. But then you can start to think about like what the actual protocols themselves look like, because as I alluded to, you could just do your standard continuous endurance training where you're basically using length of time as the main variable um, while standardizing more or less the intensity. And by intensity, in, in this case, what I'm talking about is basically how hard you're working. So whether that be measured through your shortness of breath or your perceived effort or your heart rate, the moderate intensity is mainly what you're looking at standardizing and then you're trying to protract the time so that you're going from 30 to 45 to 60 to 90 minutes, whatever it is. That's going to be really beneficial for the cardiovascular system and it's going to get you very far in terms of developing adaptations. Um, however, I think one of the things that does become like a bit of a challenge here in terms of programming like cardiovascular training is that that can be quite boring and it can take quite a while. Um, it's also very detached from what the people that get into resistance training and strength training are interested in. So if you've been constantly involved in resistance training and lifting weights, you probably like that short-term you know, burst of effort. You're working hard. You're trying to produce your max force. And all of the training that you've done, like in terms of producing more force and getting stronger and having bigger muscles, that mightn't carry over so well to the longer endurance training, but you know what it does carry over better to? Interval training. So like when you're talking about like interval training, if you're talking about max effort intervals, your strength actually helps you there. Because as Paddy said, you know, if you're, if you're weaker, pressing down the, the pedal of the bike at a given gear is going to be a greater percentage of your potential to produce force. Whereas if you're stronger, it's a lower percentage. So you're actually kind of, even from the get-go, you're actually a bit better at, at, at producing high forces during those max intervals. So from my perspective, that can be very encouraging from a motivation standpoint to get someone to do the activity. Um, having said that, proper max or high interval, high intensity interval or sprint interval training is really, really hard and really, really fatiguing. You know, so like the standard protocols that I would typically include in, in a lot of my clients' programs would be somewhere between 10 to 30 seconds of a really high effort work period followed by, I don't know, 90 to 120 seconds of a rest period or a low level work period. Like that's, that's just kind of a standard um, interval setup. And very often what clients will say when they first see that is that, oh, it doesn't seem like a lot of work. Like if you're doing 10 to 30 seconds, I shouldn't need to rest for nearly two minutes. Like I should be good to go again. But if you do that at max effort on a, on a salt bike, um, on a, a walk, on a, even, even a roar or sprinting, especially incline sprinting or something like a prowler, anything where you can actually apply resistance and really work at a high intensity, like you are going to want that rest. <laughs> you really, really are. And you are getting into some more specifics there in terms of different energy systems like that. Those activities are going to be a bit more glycolytic in nature and that you're, you're relying on the fast production of energy through your carbohydrates as opposed to kind of the slower oxidation that takes place during endurance training. And you are going to get um, a, a more 
state of acidosis within the muscle and fatigue within the muscle that is going to be quite painful um, because you are getting that generation of acidosis as you run through glycolysis really, really fast to produce energy really, really fast. So there are some specific differences in terms of like both the adaptations and the demands of those exercises of those exercise setups between intervals and between continuous endurance training. But the important thing to note there is that both of them lead to robust increases in, in your cardiorespiratory fitness. So even though you're not doing long endurance training, um, which you might think of typically as, as, as relating to your VO2 max, if you're familiar with that terminology, like even if you're doing these short, brief, powerful intervals, they also give you robust increases in that, um, which is like very strongly related to your long-term health, um, how prone you are to diseases, your mortality, etc. So if you want to live a long, healthful life, you want to have a higher um, level of aerobic fitness. And even doing these intervals can be helpful for that. Um, so yeah, like that's, that's something that's at least worth considering. Do you like to include these in programming yourself, Patty, or for your clients? Or what, what's your experience with, with interval training versus continuous training? Yeah, so the way I kind of do it, again, like you can look into the adaptations that you're trying to elicit. As I said, go back and look yeah. at the, the podcasts we did on that stuff if you if you really care about that stuff. However, most people just don't care about that and they just want to feel fitter and they just want to be able to, you know, run around and not get as out of breath, right? So like what what I've been doing a lot of lately is interval training at the end of a workout, right? And you can set this up a, a number of ways. But like you said, Gary, I like that kind of 10 to 30 second max effort, you know, maybe eight or nine out of 10 max effort, you know, um, and then a 50 to 180 ish, you know, rest interval. And, you know, quite often I'll have that as a, an active rest interval where it's like, we're just going to say you're on the assault bike or something. It's like, you're just going to focus on breathing, but you're going to keep the, the legs moving. You're going to keep the pedals moving just very low, low intensity. You know, it's basically just keeping blood flow going. You're not just completely stopping. Right. Um, and I'm also liking kind of lower number of sets for that three to five in around that range. Again, depending on the overall time period we have. Right. So effectively, for most people, what I'm liking these days is somewhere in the region of seven to 15 minutes at the end of their workout as some sort of interval training, right? And that can be done after every single workout. That's a protocol. I actually like that because it improves fitness very, very fast. However, you do have to put into or take into account that it is quite fatiguing. You know, especially if you are using the exact same machine for all of that, you know, um, like if you always use the assault bike, for example, or an airdyne or whatever, you know, um, you're going to find that certain musculature is less recovered the next day, you know, like it effectively is like doing a hard set of resistance training, you know. Um, so you do have to take that into account. I also liked the fact that you can be like varied up a little bit, keeps it a little bit more interesting. And also then you can also, you know, vascularize different musculature, you know, but either way, I like some kind of interval training at the end of a training session for most people somewhere again in that kind of seven to 15 minute time frame, right? 
However, there are individuals that like to do just cardio sessions. They're like, I just want to do a cardio session, right? And for those individuals, again, we've two approaches here. We could go do more interval training, or we could do more longer distance or longer time period, continuous training, if you will. Um, And again, it's approach that you have to decide what you're actually trying to achieve. You know, like for some individuals, I do like the 20 to 30 minute interval training session. You know, if it fits their goals, it fits their personality, that's cool, right? Um, but it has to be set up correctly because like you said, Gary, earlier on, it's not exactly the easiest thing to do 20 to 30 minutes of actual high intensity work, you know? Like that's that's quite demanding. Like the, if you think you do 20 to 30 minutes of high intensity work and you come out of that relatively fresh, like, oh yeah, I exercised you just didn't do it. That wasn't high intensity. That was moderate at best. Like you would be fucked at the end of 20 to 30 minutes of actual high intensity work. Right. So take that for what you will. And so for some individuals that works well, but again, it has to fall into their actual goals. Like, or sorry, it has to fall back to what their actual goals are, what they enjoy, et cetera. Right. For most people, if we're going to have a specific cardio day, I actually just like longer cardio sessions, you know? So for example, say we have three to five days of resistance training. What I'll do at the end of those sessions is have the interval training. So again, we'll do whatever, five to 15 minutes, seven to 15 minutes, that kind of time frame. you know, just in and out. It's not hugely demanding of time or whatever. Yes, it is demanding on, on the actual system itself but it's it's not spending a huge amount of time doing that and then if we're like oh i want to actually do a little bit more work in the gym i then program like continuous aerobic training like we might have i'll give you an actual protocol what we might have is four resistance training sessions we might do something something like a, a lower upper split so it might be monday tuesday Thursday, Friday, they're your resistance training days. You do lower on Monday and Thursday and then upper on Tuesday and Friday, right? So you do those. At the end of those days, you do some interval training. Let's say you do a a spin bike, a walk bike or something for your lower body days. So it's very demanding of your lower body day. And yeah, you probably aren't getting the absolute most out of those lower body sessions because, or sorry, those lower body interval sessions because obviously you've fatigued your lower body, the... The, that day through that resistance training but maybe you're just like all right cool we just want to hit the legs hard this day you know and then have effectively two full days of recovery right and then the next day you do your upper body session and then we do something that is very upper body dominant in its uh, cardiovascular component maybe we do something like that the battle ropes or something you know or if you're in your gym you have a, an airdyne maybe you only do the the body the, sorry the upper body movement on that uh, assault bike, that airdyne, whatever, you know? Um, so we're keeping a very upper body movement that day, right? Again, you do your interval training for that. Again, again, we could argue that it would be better to switch them around, but it's hard to tell. You have to take into, the overall, into account the overall program design. And for some people, it's just better to get it out of the way, like all your lower body training on one day uh, versus having it spread throughout the week. There's different approaches, it depends. All it comes back to is what we've discussed before, fatigue management, right? But let's say we have this approach. We have the lower body. We keep the lower body cardio on that day. We have the upper body. We keep the upper body cardio on that day. And again, that that effectively repeats twice per week, right? And if that individual is like, you know, I actually want to push cardiovascular training a bit more 
and I have the option of training another day, what I'll then do is I'll bring in, we'll say we'll start lower, we'll do 30 minutes of continuous exercise on the Saturday, right? And then you build that up over time so that you get up to that kind of 60 minutes to 90 minutes of continuous exercise in that 120 to 140 beats per minute range. Excuse me. And then effectively from there, you will build the adaptations that you require of aerobic fitness. And the good thing about aerobic fitness is that it does actually improve quite quickly and interval training improves it. However, if you're doing only interval training, it does seem to plateau off quite quickly as well. Like we'll say six to 12 weeks, obviously depends on where you are at with your, your overall fitness, but you will get improvements in your aerobic fitness for six to 12 weeks if you were doing only interval training. However, after that time frame, you know, you might get some small, small improvements in your aerobic fitness, but interval training is probably not the best way to go about it. So introducing something like a, a longer, like lower intensity training day is really beneficial for continuing to push those aerobic adaptations even further, you know? And that's an approach that I like. Now, is that the only way you can do it? No, fuck no. There's loads of ways you could do this. You could also do it if you're like, I just want to become an animal at being strong and, you know, being fit. You could do something like three days of lifting and three days of aerobic training and effectively do resistance training, aerobic training, resistance training, aerobic training, resistance training, aerobic training, day off, you know? a great approach for that. The thing we need to be aware of with bringing in uh, any kind of cardiovascular training is fatigue management. You know, quite often cardiovascular training is very lower body intensive, right? And that can be hard if you want to train legs, get bigger legs, you know, with your resistance training, because like doing, I don't know, we'll say, 300 minutes of aerobic exercise of running say very intensive on your legs doing trying to do then i don't know even 20 sets even 10 sets uh of legs on top of that like you have to take the two of those into account that both of these things are fatiguing your legs so if you train your legs really hard in the gym your aerobic fitness ability is going to be reduced because you're not actually going to be able to produce quite a lot of force then in your actual running that say the next day after you train legs, you know, and that might be fine. You know, again, you just have to prioritize what you're trying to actually do and be aware of that. Cause what quite often happens is and you see this so much, especially in um, like field sports and stuff, like people will say things that are actually ridiculous, but you can understand why they say it. Like they'll be like, Oh, I don't need to train legs because I do running, you know? And you're like, Okay, well, your sport is very run intensive. So surely getting stronger legs would make you better at your sport, right? But what they're trying to say, even though they're, they're saying it wrong, is that if they do resistance training for their legs, their running and stuff disimproves, like it goes down. Their fitness qualities there go down because they have more fatigue built up in the legs. And as a result, they have some carryover fatigue into their actual sport, you know? So while they are getting some stimulation from their sport, you know, we having also some stimulation from resistance training is probably going to improve their sport, but then we run into this issue of fatigue, you know? So most individuals, again, if they come from a sporting background, have probably tried to do some hard leg training. They see that's what we need to do. We need to do our squats. We need to do our leg presses and whatever else. And they try to do that. And then all of a sudden they go for their Wednesday, uh, you know, sprint session with the, with the, the club or whatever. And they, they're normally, you know, fighting for the top of the pack and 
now they're literally trailing behind because their legs are absolutely dust, you know? So like you can understand why people have this idea and effectively it just comes down to fatigue management, which is a bigger concept overall. And it comes down to how you actually design your training program, but it is something that you need to consider when you are considering adding cardiovascular work to your training. You need to consider like when, when are we bringing in this cardiovascular work and how is that interacting with the, the recovery or fatigue of the muscles involved with that, you know? And this is again, what I'm saying, you could do lower body cardiovascular work after your lower body training. It's probably the not optimal for your lower body training in terms of actual building the most amount of muscle for your legs. If you do like a hard set or like a hard workout for your legs, and then you have to jump onto a spin bike or something, you're probably not getting the best stimulus from your resistance training because you're effectively fatiguing them even further with some sprints on the bike or whatever. And you're also probably not getting the best, you know, sprint session on the bike because you're coming into that directly from a very fatiguing workout, you know, but that might be a good protocol for you. If you know that your fatigue over the next few days is quite high because, you know, you train legs hard and you always find that it takes you two to three days to recover your, your actual like ability to produce force in those legs. Like they're, they're very domsy if you want to call it like that, you know? So you, whenever you're bringing cardio in, you have to take into account the overall structure of your program and how things are set up to manage fatigue for you as an individual. But having said all that, a very simple way to think about this is just do your resistance training and then do some interval training after that and then manage fatigue from there. You know, like even doing something like two sprints of whatever, 30 seconds, say with 90 seconds rest, you know, doing that, that's a good starting point. And then you can build that up over time. You can go three sprints, four sprints, five sprints, whatever, you know, and, um, or you could do another approach that I like, which is an effectively like an on the minute, every minute type approach. You do 10 seconds, nearly all out, obviously not quite all out because you'd be absolutely wrecked, but 10 seconds of work, 50 seconds of recovery time. And then you do that kind of five to 10 minutes of that, you know, which you can again, build up over time. You can start at two and get it up to 10. Cause again, if we get 10 minutes of what is effectively aerobic work because that 10 seconds is not quite as glycolytically demanding it's not quite into that anaerobic uh, glycolysis like you do get it obviously the, the closer you get into that 10 seconds the more you get into that but it's low enough where it's effectively that kind of creatine phosphate system whatever you want to call it um, and you're not building up this huge amount of acidosis you know so that can be quite nice to get that up build it up to like 10 minutes of on the minute training, which is just like eight to 10 seconds on the minute, every minute. And that does seem to improve fitness quite well and not be as fatiguing as those longer sprints, you know? Um, so again, there's multiple approaches to this. The way that I like to do it is effectively just bring in interval training at the end of resistance training, assuming the individual is only training three to five times per week. It can get a bit hectic once you're over that kind of five times per week. Like if you're going even five times per week, like having interval training at the end of each one of those sessions by that fifth session, you're probably going to be quite fatigued, you know, but if you're only training three times per week or four times per week, then doing interval training at the end of each of those sessions is a really nice approach for really dramatically and quite quickly improving your fitness. And then if you are the individual that wants to do a bit more, uh, 
cardiovascular work, you can then add in a fifth day or a fourth day, depending if you're doing three days, um, of just you know 60 to 90 minutes of continuous exercise, just keeping your heart rate at that 120 to 140 range. What are your thoughts on that, Gary? Yeah, no, I like that. Like, I think most of the limitations to people getting this done, um, especially in the general population, it, like tends to be like time and not having a protocol that actually suits them. Because I've had that with some clients where I'm just like, right, let's do just three 30-minute continuous sessions per week. Like, it would seem like that's pretty doable because it's like, all right, none of them are going to be too hard. Mm. The main thing is just finding the time. But if people can't find the time and they're already trying to set time aside to get the resistance training done, resistance training done, that may not be be very doable. Like personally, I don't add that much uh, continuous work in these days, even though I am trying to improve my conditioning. But I do a lot of um, interval training, so it really depends like what you have available. Because I suppose like in my case, um, like this week I did four four Brazilian jiu-jitsu sessions. So if you think about what that actually entails, like a lot of that is kind of low level aerobic work when you're just drilling. So I think that's the important thing to realize as well is that any activity you do, it can be cardio without necessarily being one continuous thing. You know, so for example, if you were to do like loads of uh, really light ground mobility work, like if that's what you happen to be doing, or you were doing loads of like really light exercises on a given day for 20 to 30 to 40 reps, that could still be cardio, you know, it could still be cardio. And in this case for me, like a lot of BGJ training ends up being that kind of low level continuous conditioning work. And then obviously when you come to your rolling and your sparring, that's when it goes from, you know, kind of a continuous thing more so to those kind of bursts of glycolytic, or if you could call them lactic type type bursts where you are actually working at a much higher heart rate and you're potentially getting a little bit more acidosis, but it just depends on what the nature of that, that role or that spar might be. So those sessions for me are what I would view as being the contributing to my cardio. So if I broke that down across the week, that could be, you know, somewhere between four to eight hours of conditioning work that's taken care of purely through, through that, that kind of continuous work. So then when I'm thinking about adding in more work on top of that, I try to practice the conditioning that's go probably going to be well one best for my schedule and two uh maybe more specific to the needs when it comes to jujitsu so i do a lot of uh, assault bike intervals and ski intervals and often like me and a few of the lads from the class we just kind of super we basically superset those in the gym after our resistance training workout in the morning because basically that's taking care of both upper and lower body specific conditioning in an interval type manner in that kind of glycolytic or lactic type window so if you were to take like a one mode of conditioning that was going to make sure you were going to be, you know, the best in terms of jujitsu, like that's a pretty good option when you've already taken care of your continuous uh, conditioning training, you've got a good aerobic base. So you can see that all this depends on where you're actually at, because if you're one that's never trained your aerobic fitness, you're really unfit, then like, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about getting you to do a lot of really hard intervals you know if, if you could do just get more active you could do a little bit of low intensity conditioning training that's fantastic but then for those people who are stuck for time intervals can be so effective um, but you do always have to keep that fatigue management in mind and a nice kind of happy medium for people who are just trying to have some novelty in their program but 
um, not necessarily be on the high intensity side of things, but also not the continuous side of things. You can just use a couple of different modes of exercise within a given workout. You know, if you want, if you need to get 60 minutes of conditioning done, you could do 10 minutes of bike, 10 minutes in the roar, 10 minutes in the treadmill. You could do 10 minutes of like 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off of lap pull downs with your 30 rep max or leg press or whatever. You know, all these things can be used to improve your conditioning. It's just a case of realizing what you're actually trying to achieve. And if you're just trying to elevate your heart rate for a protracted period of time, there's so many ways of going about that. So don't just rule it out because you don't like the cross trainer or you don't like the treadmill. You could go for a swim. You could do 30 seconds, 30 seconds on at slightly above that moderate intensity and then 30 seconds at a much lower intensity. So at least there's a little bit of up and down and up and down. You could use battle ropes. You could do medicine ball slams. Point being, there are so many options. Um, so you should be able to find something that works for you on that spectrum of high intensity to lower intensity continuous across the different modes of exercise and with the kind of on-off or continuous pattern, countless options you can apply there. Yeah, and effectively, it just comes down to finding something that works for you based on your goals, based on your preferences, etc. As we said, we will be discussing this more in terms of like, do you need to do cardio on the Thursday podcast? Um, yeah. But for quite a lot of people, effectively, it comes down to if you're training three to five times per week, doing resistance work, and then you start layering on doing some uh, like steps, just you know, being active throughout your day, like thinking of that as contributing to your aerobic fitness, your your baseline fitness, just being more active helps you know even that's like something like you're i don't know doing the gardening or something it just gets your heart rate up that little bit you know but it, it, it's keeping you active day to day right so that's also playing into all of this if you do improve your or increase your your niche like that does improve your fitness to an extent right however for most people if they're looking to really start to improve their fitness you're going to need to do some actual targeted work on that now the approach you take Effectively, I'm going to lay out a few different approaches here just really quickly because we've, we've basically just touched on them all. Um, you have a few options, right? The first one is you can just do uh, effectively try to set a time amount throughout the week that you need to hit, right? Let's just say it's 90 minutes, you know? Like say you're training resistance training four times per week and you want to do 90 minutes of aerobic work on top of that, right? That could look like any number of things. You could do 15 minutes of just lower intensity cardiovascular work at the end of your training sessions. Say your training session takes an hour to do your resistance work, and then you just layer on 15 minutes of low intensity aerobic work at the end. You just keep your heart rate 120 to 140. You just do your 15 minutes. Yeah, it probably interferes a little bit with the adaptations to resistance training, but not enough that you know it would be anything that I would care about for 99% of people. You know, um, you do that. You do that exactly four times per week that's how many times you're going to the gym so now you're at an hour so now you have 30 minutes again you set your time as 90 minutes per week you've now got 30 minutes of longer uh work to do so you maybe just do 30 minutes of a jog on a saturday or something you know again depends on your schedule depends on what you you want to do maybe you just do 15 minutes on the wednesday and 15 minutes on the saturday there you go. You've got your 19 minutes throughout the week, right? So that would be one approach. You could also just do it where you go, okay, I'm not going to add that cardio on to my resistance training. I'm just going to do it all on the Saturday. I'm just going to go for a 90 minute 
lower intensity run or on the skier, like the, the rower or whatever. You know, you're just like, I'm just going to hit it 90 minutes of that, right? Great approach. 100%, you've got it, you've got it nailed, right? It's all going to contribute. Yes, some protocols are going to be better or get results faster, but it's all going to contribute at the end of the day, right? Maybe you're like, okay, that's... I, can't, I definitely can't do this lower, slower intensity stuff. It's just not me. It's not in my nature, right? For you, I would definitely make sure that the, the neat contributions are up there. So you are still getting some sort of aerobic, you know, uh, adaptations. But then also I would just do interval training at the end of my resistance training. You know, I would do start off with those five minutes at the end of each of those training sessions and then work that up so you're doing we'll say 10 minutes at the end of each of those training sessions, you know, maybe even work it up to 15, you know, either way you are looking to improve your, we'll call it anaerobic fitness with those interval sessions, but that will still improve your aerobic capacity in those interval sessions. And of course it contributes to your overall caloric burn throughout the week, you know? So that's how I would do it for most people. Now the actual interval sessions themselves they can look like any number of things you can go a more moderate interval like gary was suggesting you know you do like 30 seconds of slight slightly higher intensity 30 seconds of slightly lower intensity or it could be straight up like i'm doing higher intensity interval with then a longer low intensity interval after that you know maybe again you do 30 seconds of all-out work and 90 seconds of somewhat recovery work and then you repeat that a few times you know or you could go 10 seconds and then you can have either a longer or a protracted somewhat uh active rest session with that like i like 50 i like 10 seconds and 50 seconds even though you're not fully recovered but i like that because it's effectively just on the minute training you know so again number of ways you can actually bring in interval training itself but that's just very particular with the actual goals that you're trying to achieve and effectively you need to set your goals first when you decide that but if you're just looking for general adaptations effectively anything goes if you're just getting your heart rate up you're letting it get back down you're getting it back up and you're improving the fitness qualities that you want to improve then it really doesn't matter the actual exact protocol that you use but that's the way i would look at it if i was coming to this and i wanted to bring in cardio to my training you have a number of options you can either do the continuous you could just do 90 minutes or whatever on one day per week you know maybe two days per week you do 60 minutes on one day 60 minutes on another day you know you get whatever 120 minutes per week cool you do that longer slower intensity stuff you know or if you are doing resistance training and you're doing it whatever three four days per week just add in some interval work at the end of that really good to improve your fitness or you could add in some lower intensity stuff at the end of that like especially if you are coming to this and you are very unfit Starting off with that lower approach, very good approach. Again, you do need to do it for longer to get the adaptations, but even five minutes, I found for people that come to this with a very low level of conditioning, just five minutes on something like a, a treadmill on an incline or something, it's like just walking up a hill, like that does improve your fitness. And again, you can build that up over time to get 10, 15 minutes, whatever, you know? Um, and that does improve your fitness. Or you could even use something that's very low impact, like a... Uh, uh whatever they're called uh, skiing machine uh you know so like there's so many approaches to this and ultimately the, just doing something will improve something you know and there's got, like unless i'm giving you an exact protocol like unless you're one of our clients or something like 
unless you're trying to be very specific in the adaptations you create, just getting in whatever, five to 15 minutes at the end of your workout, presuming you're doing three to five resistance training sessions per week, like that, that's enough for the vast majority of people. You don't need to do, you know, oh, I need to do exact like 30 minute, 20 to 30 minute, you know, sessions three times per week. Yeah, that's definitely an approach you can take. But again, we have to consider your schedule. We have to consider your recovery, fatigue, all that stuff. Hell yes, brother. Like as you kind of said at the, the outset of the podcast, like this is not intended, this is not intended to be for like athletes because the Didn't hear a single word you said. So just start. Great. I was chatting away there. Um, yeah. Uh, all of that is sound stuff. The only thing I have to add before we kind of finish the podcast is that, as we alluded to at the outset of the podcast, the uh, protocols on a sports specific level. There are whether it's a field sport, a combat sport, a strength sport, um, a mixed fitness sport like CrossFit. You know, each of the the conditioning protocols that you're going to employ in each of those sports are going to be very different, and you have to break them down on an energy systems basis, on a time basis, and even on a, on a basis of like. Uh, are you playing, are you competing multiple times per day, multiple times per week or just once per week? You know, they're, they're all considerations in terms of your conditioning protocols. So, so yeah, that will be something or a topic for another podcast. But for now, I think you should have a good insight into the general kind of things that you could roll with as someone who's just getting into trying to improve your cardio. But I would encourage you to get in touch with us if you have more questions for future conditioning podcasts because all we want to do is have multiple podcasts that cater for basically all individuals that, that would have goals of developing their cardiorespiratory fitness for different sports or their conditioning if you want to think of it in terms of that. Um, so yeah, if you have questions, do ask. If there's a sport you're like, actually, I don't know what the sport are. What would you try and do? What would you prioritize it from a, a conditioning or a strength conditioning perspective in this sport? feel free to ask and, and we'll get back to you. Cause there are like, there are some things that you would just like never think of really. Like, you know, the, a good one that I know you're familiar with Patty is like, is hunting or shooting, you know, they're, they're sports where cardiorespiratory fitness is actually really, really important because if you're super out of breath and you're, uh, if you're super out of breath, you're panting while you're holding your, your bow or your gun or whatever, like you're not gonna be able to do your job. So there's, there's things that go under the radar. And there are lots of other sports like that too, where your conditioning actually is important to think about. So if you have examples that you'd like us to discuss, let us know. Best place to do that, of course, is in the, the Triage Method Community Facebook group or just email us. Or fill out the, the form <clears throat> that asks questions. Oh, the form. <laughs> That'd be handy. 
that would be nice um yeah i have nothing else to say on this as i said at the start like this isn't supposed to be every single individual this isn't supposed to give you the exact protocol this is just to start getting you thinking about you know some how do you start integrating cardio into your your program design how do you start thinking about this stuff so that you can actually go okay that's what i'm going to do to actually put some cardio to my resistance training or to my training overall but as gary said we will cover some more specifics uh, in later podcasts and as i said earlier on as well if you do want to understand this stuff a bit more go back and listen to the actual energy systems podcasts we did a couple podcasts ago like a good few podcasts ago <laughs> um, like a year ago probably. <laughs> um like that does cover quite a lot if you understand the energy system stuff you actually do understand quite a lot about cardiovascular work and also resistance work anyway we're going to wrap it up here and i have nothing else to say you can find us on facebook instagram youtube you also can subscribe to the newsletter you can also engage in one of our many services such as online coaching such as group coaching you know you can also get some of our ebooks with multiple ebooks we have a good few coming out as i'm about halfway through about four ebooks that i want to write but uh I have ADHD, so uh, they all get done at the same time rather than me just sitting down and actually doing one at a time, which would be far more effective use of my time. But look, we are what we are. We (laughs) can't change that. Um, It is what it is. But uh, yeah, so there is eBooks, stores linked below. If you would like to get some sickening triage merch, um, you can do that as well. There is a store for that. You can, you know, get some merchandise and uh, support the brand, etc all that stuff. Um, if you have anything else, Gary, subscribe to the newsletter, join the Facebook group. Anything else? Nope. That sounds good, man. Wonderful. So we will catch you all, you lovely people, in the next episode.